Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from our slightly different perspective. You know, lately I've rather loudly and repeatedly announced that I've embarked on these remodels of some of the aquariums in our office, and it's been a pretty interesting experience, as it always is. I've taken some slightly different approaches to the, these makeovers over time uh, during my aquarium work. Specifically, one of the things I've done in recent years is to keep the substrate layers from the existing aquariums and build on them. I've done that a lot with botanical-style aquariums. In other words, I'm taking advantage of the well-established substrate layers, complete with their sediments, decomposing leaves, and bits of botanicals, and simply building upon them, maybe with some additional substrate and leaves. I've done this many times over the year. Now, years. I know it's hardly a game-changing practice, but it's something not everybody recommends or does. Now, I believe that preserving and building upon the existing substrate layer provides not only some biological stability, i.e. the nitrogen cycle, but it also has the added benefit of maintaining some of the ecological diversity and richness created by the beneficial fauna and the materials present within the substrate. Now, I know many old-timers might question the safety or the merits of this practice, mentioning things like disturbing the bacterial activity or, you know, releasing toxic gases, etc. Now, I think that that's well and good and best practice, but I also think that it overlooks the fact that a well-maintained system generally doesn't have any issues with stability and uh, detritus as such is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, And I have personally, in years of doing this, I've just never experienced any issues of these nature, you know, losses, ammonia spikes, nitrite spikes, etc. I just haven't experienced those kind of issues. And well-maintained systems generally are robust and pretty capable of evolving from these kinds of disturbances, if you will. I see way more benefits to this practice than I do about any potential issues. Now, Again, that's probably controversial, and you can look at it from both sides. You're not going to tell a beginner to just start disturbing their substrate layer and, and, and manage things. You have to have a grasp on how to manage a system. I get that. Now, since I tend to manage the water quality of my aquariums pretty well, I don't have those kind of issues. I've done this in marine tanks. I've done this in freshwater. I've done this in brackish. It's a way, in my view, of maintaining stability, even in an arguably disruptive and even destabilizing time. Now, the idea of, you know, perpetual substrate, you know, keeping the same substrate layer going in successive aquarium iterations, it's just one of those things that we can do to replicate nature in an additional way. You're like, what? Huh? How's that? Well, think about it for just a second. In nature, the substrate layer in rivers, streams, and yeah, flooded forests and pools tends to not completely wash away during wet, dry, or seasonal cycles. Oh, sure, some of the materials compromising the substrate layer and some of the materials on top of the substrate layer get carried away by currents or other weather dynamics. But for the most part, a good percentage of this material and the life forms within it remains. So by preserving the substrate or a good percentage of it and the materials within it and refreshing it a bit with some new materials, you know, more sand, more sediment, gravel, leaves, whatever, botanicals, you're essentially mimicking some aspects of the way nature functions in these wild habitats. And from an aquarium management perspective, 
Consider the substrate layer a living organism or collective of living organisms, as it were. And you're sure to look at things just a bit differently the next time you redo a tank. Of course, perpetuating the substrate is almost like pursuing you know, eternal youth. It's not entirely possible to achieve, but you can embrace the idea of renewal and continuity within your aquarium. In other words, you might lose some life forms in there. You, might, you will definitely disturb some things. But for the most part, things change in nature, but things are also preserved. Nothing goes to waste. And it was the same in the aquarium. And yet one concept about aquariums that I can't seem to bring up enough is the idea that many of the habitats that we like to represent in our tanks and the materials which we utilize to escape them are ephemeral. In other words, they're not permanent features, not in the same way like a rock or a piece of wood is. Instead, they're breaking down and decomposing following you know, long-term submersion. And I find that ephemeral aspect quite alluring. Now, leaves, of course, are the ultimate statement of nature's ephemeral character. Things always change. Nothing lasts forever, at least not in its original form. Leaves begin to break down and they impart organic materials ranging from lignans to tannins to humic substances, even sugars into the water. We've discussed this many times. One of the interesting observations I've made over the years concerning adding leaves to the aquarium and letting them simply decay is that dead dried leaves such as those we favor don't have nearly the impact on water quality in terms of nitrate as fresh leaves would. Yeah, and I played with both over time. I've routinely seen undetectable or minimally detectable nitrate and phosphate levels in aquariums loaded with botanicals over the long term. This is largely because dead, dry leaves have depleted the vast majority of the stored sugars and other compounds which lead to the production of nitrogenous substances in the confines of an aquarium. So, leaving in leaves to fully decay likely reaches a point when the detritus, which results, is essentially inert, consisting of skeletonized sections of leaf tissues which can decay no further. Dead leaves contain largely inert forms of polysaccharides and are rich in structures like lignin and cellulose. Just keeping overall water quality consistently high is a great practice. You know, doing regular water changes can't hurt. And of course, in an aquarium, much like in the natural habitat, the layer of decomposing leaves and botanical matter, colonized by so many organisms, ranging from bacteria to macroinvertebrates to insects, is a prime spot for fishes. The most common fishes associated with leaf litter in the wild are species of caracins, catfishes, and, yeah, knife fishes. Followed by our buddies, the cichlids, arguably, or particularly, I should say, because it's not arguable, uh, Epistogramma, Crencicla, and Mesonota species. Some species of even rivulous killifish are commonly associated with leaf litter zones, although they're primarily top-dwelling fishes. But leaf litter beds in general are so important for fishes as they become a refuge for fish providing shelter and for you know providing food from associated invertebrate life forms that live within there. And of course... The eternal question, how often do you need to replace your leaves? It's another great question. There's no real rule involved. The reality is that you simply can add new leaves on a regular basis. So you'll always be making up for ones that have decomposed. This, again, mimics a natural process. Some hobbyists like to remove the decomposed leaves. They like a pristine look. It boils down to aesthetics, really. And, of course, there's those functional and ecological aspects to it, too, right? And, of course, besides seed pods, there's other stuff that we all love. Branches, stems, twigs, botanicals, etc., <clears throat> those of us who obsessively study the images of the wild tropical habitats that we love so much can't help but note that many of the bodies of water in which we you know, model our aquariums after are just filled with this stuff, tree branches and stems. And so many of these habitats are also ephemeral in nature. They're only filled up part of the year. The remainder of their time, they're essentially 
dry forest floors, dry riverbeds, dry streams. And what accumulates on these dry forest floors and streams? Branches, stems, and other materials from the trees and shrubs which surround it. When the waters return to the formerly terrestrial environment, these items become an integral part of the now aquatic environment. This is really, really an important thing to think of when we aquascape or contemplate, you know, what, how we'll use botanical materials like the aforementioned stems and branches. They impact function and aesthetics of an aquarium. Yeah, what we call functional aesthetics rears its head again. And from the perspective of the aquascaper, this dynamic can be either stimulating or challenging, or both, depending on how you look at it. There's no real rhyme or reason as to which way materials orient themselves the way they do. I mean, branches fall off trees, a process initiated by either rain or wind, and they just land wherever, which means that we as hobbyists would be perfectly okay just sort of tossing materials in the tank and walking away, right? I'm serious. Now, I know this is actually aquascaping heresy. Not one serious scaper would ever do that, right? I'm not sure why they wouldn't. I mean, what's wrong with sort of randomly scattering twigs, branches in your aquascape? It's a near-perfect representation of what happens in nature. Now, I realize that glass or acrylic boxes of water are not nature and that there's things like scale and ratio and all that shit that hardcore scaping snobs will bash you over the head with. But guess what? Nature doesn't give up, you know what, about some competition aquascaping rules. And nature as it exists is pretty damn inspiring, isn't it? There's a beauty in the brutal reality of sheer randomness. I mean, sure, the position of stones in an Iwagumi is beautiful, but it's hardly what I'd describe as natural. Nature is, well, is natural. She's the bomb, you know? Which begs the question, who really cares? Do what you like. I get it. Yet I still think we could do a lot worse than literally dropping materials into our tanks, utilizing existing materials in the aquarium that, we've, that we're redoing, and taking into account the size of the material that we're working with, the size of the tanks, and admiring the randomness of it all. Look to nature and, you know, be bold in the process. Think about maintaining the continuity of an ecosystem and perpetuating biological activity and that structural randomness. The mental stretches that we talk about incessantly here are still occurring for me. Years and years into this game, with every pick I see of the natural habitats I want to emulate and every beautiful aquarium that a member of our community does, it's inspiring, it's interesting, it's really engaging. I'm seeing and experiencing new things, coming up with new ideas and trying to understand and embrace the processes and the aesthetics of nature in a whole new light. And I'm happy to see many of you doing exactly the same thing. Evolving, really. What do you have up next? Sure, I get it. Embracing some different ideas of the management of aquariums and the aesthetics themselves can be a bit intimidating at first. But if you force yourself just beyond the basic hobby-oriented mindset out there on these topics, there's a whole world of stuff that you can experience and learn about. And the information you can gain from this process just might have an amazing impact on your aquarium practice that might just lead to some remarkable breakthroughs that will forever change the hobby. That's the beauty of continuity, renewal, and stability all working together. Oh yeah, and a touch of randomness too. (laughs) Stay observant, stay curious, stay creative, stay open-minded, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman. Thanks very much for joining me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.